Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick or the Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be talking about my top 12 ranked running backs for fantasy football in 2021. Inside of today's video, I'm going to be going in-depth on each running back ranked inside of my top 12 and be discussing why I have them ranked at each spot inside of the top 12 at the running back position. But before we get on into this in-depth breakdown of these running backs, I would like to ask if you are new to my YouTube channel and you do end up enjoying today's video to please make sure that you hit that subscribe button down below. Not only is it free, I put out content every single day to help you guys win your 2021 fantasy football championship. And while you're down there, whether you are new to my YouTube channel or not, please make sure that you hit that like down below to help boost this video up the algorithm so that more beautiful people like yourself can see today's video. I'd also like to let you guys know that my rankings are out now on Osmo.com. I'm going to be updating them relatively shortly after this video as well as uploading a cheat sheet to the website that you guys can bring to your drafts. I also write articles on there every single day, so make sure that you guys check that out. Again, Osmo.com, link down below in the description as well as in the pinned comment. So without further ado, let's get on into it. At number one for the running back position and the number one overall pick in fantasy football, we have Christian McCaffrey, running back of the Carolina Panthers, underdog ADP, running back one, pick number one overall. Now, when it comes to this video, I'm going to try to go as in-depth as possible on each running back and explain why I like them. But for Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible. Christian McCaffrey is by far and away the best running back in fantasy football. The odds of finding a running back that could potentially average over 30 PPR points per game is near impossible. And that is something that Christian McCaffrey can do in his fucking sleep. Last year, he only played in three games, finishing as the running back 54 in PPR, 53 and half PPR, and the running back 51 in standard. Normally, if you play in three games, you finish as running back 172, but this guy puts up so many points in each game that he finished not even that far outside of the top 50. He was averaging 30.1 PPR points per game, 27.3 half PPR points per game, and 24 and a half standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey was the running back one in PPR, one in half PPR, and the running back number one in standard. For Christian McCaffrey, it does not matter at all who the quarterback is of his team. He succeeded with Cam Newton. He succeeded with Kyle Allen. He succeeded with Will Greer. He succeeded with Teddy Bridgewater last year, and you better believe he is going to succeed with mono man Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Much of what you look for in a running back for fantasy football is that they have a good offensive line. They're on a really good team. They might want to have a stronger defense so that they're able to run the ball a lot later on in the game to give you those extra points deep into the fourth quarter. But Christian McCaffrey is on an offense that is pretty solid. I wouldn't say it's some elite offense. They have an all right defense, but Christian McCaffrey is the anomaly to all of those things. The offensive line could be completely irrelevant. They could be useless. The quarterback could be a statue, could literally be no one back there. Christian McCaffrey could be like Taysom Hill and try to play quarterback or something, and this guy would succeed. Christian McCaffrey is by far and away the easiest and safest 101 I have ever seen in my life. You take him at the number one overall every single time, and you do not even have to think about it. In years past, there has been debates about who the number one overall pick is. Some years, you're talking about 
Saquon Barkley? Is it Ezekiel Elliott? Is it Alvin Kamara? Is it Christian McCaffrey? Is it Le'Veon Bell? But now, right where we are sitting, in every single draft I've been in, I don't think a single time anyone has taken a player not named Christian McCaffrey. It is because of the immense amount of safety that this guy brings to your team year in and year out, and he is one of the only running backs in the NFL that could really get a 1,000 rushing yards as well as a 1,000 receiving yards in the same season. If we just go ahead and look at 2019, when this guy played in all 16 games, he had 287 carries, fourth highest at the running back position for 1,387 rushing yards, 86.7 rushing yards per game, ranking third at running back, 143 targets. 143 targets, 8.9 per game, number one at running back. This man is a running back, and he gets more targets than most wide receivers in the NFL. 116 receptions, 7.2 per game, number one at the running back position, 1,005 receiving yards, 62.8 per game, ranking number one at running back for 19 total touchdowns, ranking number one at running back. If you were trying to create the best running back for fantasy football in a lab, you would probably just clone Christian McCaffrey. We're not going to continue to harp, to hammer in on Christian McCaffrey. Just know that if you take anyone other than Christian McCaffrey at the number one overall pick, you are going to regret it instantly. You are going to send shivers down your own fucking spine because drafting anyone other than Christian McCaffrey at the 101 to me is crazy. Number two up here, also the number two overall player off the board is running back of the Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin Cook, underdog ADP, running back two, overall pick two, Point one. Just like with Christian McCaffrey, how he's kind of locked in as the number one overall pick in a majority of drafts, like 95% of the time, Dalvin Cook is the number two overall player on the board. Now, I do understand that there's definitely some risk when it comes to drafting Dalvin Cook because of his injury riddled past. So in your head, when you draft him, you might want to just mentally mark down that, hey, maybe Dalvin Cook won't play a full 16-game season. Now, is it possible that he could do that 100% as no player is truly injury prone. It is about getting lucky with staying healthy and not staying healthy. But when you look at Dalvin Cook's past, he is technically prone to injury. Should it happen this year? Maybe, maybe not. But if this guy plays 14, 15 games for your team, this guy is dominant every single game. He finished last year in 14 games as the running back number two, running back three and a half PPR, and the running back number three in standard, averaging 24.1 PPR points per game, 22.6 half PPR points per game, and 21 standard points per game. Meaning from a points per game perspective, Dalvin Cook was the RB3 in PPR, two and a half PPR, and the running back two in standard. Now to backtrack real quick and talk about Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook finished as the running back number three in PPR last season with 24.1 PPR points per game. That's amazing. That's amazing. Basically, every week, he's near 25 points. He's putting up so many points for your roster. Christian McCaffrey was averaging six points per game more in PPR. Six. That just shows you how elite Christian McCaffrey is. This is not to knock on Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is still an elite running back in the NFL, but that just goes to show you really how good Christian McCaffrey is. Dalvin Cook's numbers last year were impeccable. 312 carries, 22.3 per game, ranking second at the running back position. 1,557 rushing yards, 111.2 per game, ranking second at running back. 54 targets, 3.9 per game, ranking 15th at running back, 44 receptions, 3.1 per game, 14th at running back with 361 receiving yards, 10th at running back, and 17 total tuds on the season. Number two at the touchdown 
mark for the running back position. So Dalvin Cook had an excellent year last year. And honestly, you should probably be able to easily forecast similar production in 2021. He had 66 red zone touches on the season, 4.7 per game, ranking number one at running back. Dalvin Cook did all this while Justin Jefferson was having a breakout rookie season from the wide receiver position, and Adam Thielen was still having some excellent games. So while the injury risk is there, please do not make the mistake of missing out on a talent like Dalvin Cook. Now, this guy has no shot, in my opinion, to be one of those running backs that gets 1,000 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards, because he is just not targeted in that fashion for this offense. Could he be? Because he actually is a pretty solid pass-catching running back. So if the team ended up scheming to give this guy the ball more in the receiving game, I have no doubt that he could do it. But that's just not how the team operates. But at the end of the day, the amount of carries this guy is going to get with the decent enough amount of targets which will lead to receptions which can lead to more fantasy football points Dalvin Cook to me is locked and loaded as the number two overall pick in fantasy football I understand that if you are someone who is trying to be as risk averse as possible that Dalvin Cook may scare you slightly because of the injury history but at the end of the day do not miss out on the talent in Dalvin Cook. I'm taking him number two overall, and he is my number two running back off the board. At number three, we have Alvin Kamara, running back of the New Orleans Saints, currently coming off the board as running back number four overall pick 4.1. Now, there's a lot of discrepancy in people's rankings after the number two guys. Basically, everyone has McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook as the first and second picks of your draft as the number one and number two running backs of fantasy football. But after that, the door kind of opens. Will it be Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry? There's a bunch of names that get put there as the number three overall player. But to me, it is Alvin Kamara currently coming off the board, like I said, as running back number four overall pick 4.1. Alvin Kamara last year in 15 games finished as the running back one in PPR, one and a half PPR, and the running back number two in standard averaging 25.2 PPR points per game, 22.6 half PPR points per game, and 21 standard points per game. Meaning from a points per game perspective, Alvin Kamara was the running back two in PPR, running back three in half PPR, and the running back number four in standard. Alvin Kamara put up an amazing year last season doing all of this while they actively use another running back on this team in Latavius Murray. Now, Alvin Kamara is not your typical NFL workhorse running back because he's not going to see 20-plus touches every single game. Last year, he was averaging 12.5 carries a game, but where he is able to elevate himself to become that elite running back in fantasy football is because of, I think I kind of said it wrong, I definitely kind of worded that wrong because what I meant to say was that Alvin Kamara is not a typical workhorse running back because he is not seeing 18, 19, 20 plus rushes a game. I didn't mean to say touches. To me, what a workhorse running back is a guy, a player, a running back that is rushing and catching the ball 17, 18, 19, 20 plus times every single game. To me, that is what harnesses, utilizes, puts all together that workhorse running back name. And Alvin Kamara is the perfect example of that because of the amount of targets this guy sees game in and game out. It elevates him because if he was just given 12.5 
rushes per game and wasn't getting any receptions, then there's no way this guy would be considered inside of the top five at the running back position and as a top five pick in your 2021 fantasy football drafts. Last year, he had a grand total of 187 carries, 12.5 per game, ranking 15th at running back for 937 rushing yards, 13th at running back, 107 targets, 7.1 per game, ranking second at running back for 83 receptions, number one at running back, 756 receiving yards and 20 one total touchdowns ranking number one at running back keep in mind that like I said this guy only had 187 carries 15th at running back but was still able to rush for 937 rushing yards so it is entirely possible that just like with Christian McCaffrey Alvin Kamara could be the kind of running back that gets over a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards on a given season and the only drawback to Alvin Kamara that most people can even pose is the quarterback position it's not the fact that Jameis Winston is going to be a guy, the guy for the team but it's the fact that there is a chance that Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback in a lot of people's minds now if you watch the preseason game from yesterday Saints quarterback Jameis Winston looked way better than Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill threw a pick, didn't really do all that well, whereas Jameis Winston threw a touchdown. He also threw a pick, but to me, my eyes test, the eyes test, which is what I use a lot in football, told me that Jameis Winston is the better option on this team. Now, if Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback, which again, as I see, a very low chance of happening, then Alvin Kamara is basically taken out back behind the shed and fucking shot in the dome with a spaz 12 because if that happens, Taysom Hill isn't the kind of guy that's like, hey, Alvin, let me dump the ball off to you or, hey, Alvin, let me hand you the ball because instead, Taysom Hill, he's tapping on that number on his chest and he's saying, you know what? Give me the fucking rock, baby. And he's going to run with the ball. He's not going to dump it off. That's just what Taysom Hill is. So at the end of the day, the amount of risk with Alvin Kamara is very minimal because with Michael Thomas out and with Jameis Winston as the quarterback, Alvin Kamara could be seeing more than 7.1 targets per game. It could be at the 10, 11, 12 target number because Alvin Kamara is by far and away the best wide receiver on this team that is healthy right now and he plays running back so I'm all in on Alvin Kamara this season at number four we have running back of the Tennessee Titans underdog ADP running back three overall pick three point nine Derek Henry in 15 games Derek Henry finished as the running back three in PPR running back two and a half PPR and the RB number one in standard last season averaging 20.8 PPR points per game 20.2 half PPR points per game and 19.6 standard points per game meaning from a points per game perspective Derek Henry was the RB four in PPR four and a half PPR and the running back number four in standard unlike a majority of running backs that we're going to be talking about inside of the top 12 Derek Henry's points per game from standard to half PPR to PPR, there is basically virtually zero difference because Derrick Henry is not a running back that's going to go out there and get 7,000 targets a season. He is just not going to be that guy. He got 31 targets last season, 38th at running back. There's an additional game this year with a 17-game season, and I would be surprised if it was over the 30 mark or the 31 mark that he had last year, 19 receptions, 114 receiving yards, which obviously is not very good. But where Derrick Henry makes his money, where he gets that big contract, contract where he gets you your fantasy points is by rushing the rock with some supreme aggression 378 carries last year 23.6 per game ranking number one at running back 2027 rushing yards 126.7 rushing yards per game number one at running back watching Derrick Henry is like hopping in a time machine and watching a running back 
from back in the day where they weren't just these dump-off machines, right? Where they are just bulldozing over guys. This guy made Josh Norman look like a baby back bitch when he grabbed him and flung him into, I don't even know, into the oblivion. It was honestly crazy. Derrick Henry is an absolute unit of a man. Let me read off how big this motherfucker is. He is six foot three, 247 pounds. He is humongous. No one can tackle him. And the later on you get into the season, Derrick Henry typically is just a slow starter in fantasy football. At the beginning of the season, he's just doing all right. You're like, dang, maybe I shouldn't have picked him in the first round. And then once it starts getting colder, for some reason, I don't know if this is just some type of a myth that I've created in my head, but it appears the second it gets colder outside, Derrick Henry levels up to the next, like he gets more abilities, like this is a fucking RPG video game. And somehow, then... The colder it gets, the less likely it is that someone can tackle Derrick Henry, and this guy is going to be good yet again. Now, the only argument against Derrick Henry, which I'm going to prove to be false, is the argument that, oh, Nick, Derrick Henry has been rushing the ball far too much. Eventually, he is going to fall off. There's too much tread on the tires is an argument that a lot of people make. But if you remember, until about 2018, towards the end of the year, the whole year in 2018, they were barely using him. Only at the end of the year did they start using him. They used him as a workhorse back in 2019 and in 2020. So obviously, that's a couple of years of being a workhorse back. But if you look back to when Derrick Henry was a running back in college, he wasn't necessarily... This player that is seeing so many rushes on a per-year basis. In 2013, his freshman year, 36 rushes. 2014, 172. Now, in 2015, they absolutely fed the boy 395 rushing attempts. But before that, they weren't really using him as a workhorse running back. And prior to that, once he got drafted into the NFL in the year of 2016, they really weren't using him until deeper down the stretch in 2018. So I'm trying to tell you guys not to worry too much about the argument that this guy has had too much use in his career. To give you guys the numbers real quick, in his rookie year in 2016, he had 110 rushes, 2017, 176 because they started to ramp him up a little bit, 2018, 215, and then he had the 303 rushes season in 2019, then 2020, 378. So I am not all that worried that there is going to be some supreme fall off of Derrick Henry just yet. Is it going to happen eventually? Probably, but right now I think Derrick Henry's got a good two, three more years until you really start seeing the amount of rushing opportunity he gets on a per game basis to really affect. We are about 20 minutes into this video, so if you guys have ended up enjoying the video thus far, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button down below. Also, remember to please make sure to hit that like button. It really helps me out a ton. So at number five, we have running back of the Green Bay Packers, underdog ADP, running back six, overall pick 10. Point one AA Ron Jones in 14 games. Aaron Jones finishes the RB5 in PPR, 5.5 PPR, and the running back 5 in standard, averaging 18.5 PPR points per game, 16.8 half PPR points per game, and 15.1 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Aaron Jones was the RB5 in PPR, 5.5 PPR, and the running back number 6 in standard. Now, a lot of people don't like to give Aaron Jones the credit that he is clearly deserving of. And that is very clear by the fact that in most drafts, he is a pick at the end of the first round. He's not getting that love of being a top five, top six, top seven pick in most drafts. Like I said, his ADP is pick 10. 
1.1. For some reason, even after Aaron Jones has completely shit-stomped defenses, not only in 2020, but in 2019, having excellent back-to-back seasons, people continue to point the finger at potential regression for Aaron Jones. What on offense has changed to create that narrative? It's still Aaron Rodgers, it's still Aaron Jones, and they still have a very solid offensive line. So what is going to change to potentially spell touches from Aaron Jones? Sure, A.J. Dillon is going to be there. I personally don't believe A.J. Dillon is going to be this humongous factor that a lot of people are talking about. Aaron Jones last year, guess who was behind him? Jamal with two A's Williams, as well as A.J. Dillon. And you didn't see either of those guys screw Aaron Jones over. Sure, they're going to vulture some touchdowns. A.J. Dillon is a big motherfucker, and he's going to wrecking ball his way into the end zone a couple of times this season, and that's going to suck for Aaron Jones. But at the end of the day, even if that happens, guess what? That happens to most players. That happens to most running backs. It happens to Alvin Kamara all the time with Latavius Murray. So don't worry too much about A.J. Dillon. I really think A.J. Dillon is going to be rendered damn near useless in fantasy football unless there is an injury to Aaron Jones. Last year, Aaron Jones had 201 carries, 14.4 per game, ranking 10th at running back, 1,104 rushing yards, 78.9 per game, ranking 4th at running back. He also had 62 targets, 4.4 per game, ranking 9th at running back for 46 receptions, 3.3 per game, ranking 12th at running back for 347 receiving yards, 24.8 per game, ranking 13th at running back back for 11 total touchdowns seventh at running back now if you remember last season there was a lot of argument about how hey hey nick hey aaron jones gonna fall off last year he scored let me tell you this man scored a grand total of 19 touchdowns number one at running back and they were saying nick that is impossible or not even nick that is impossible everyone's talking about this this is impossible he's going to regress immensely if he doesn't score as many touchdowns guess what scores 11 touchdowns and is still a top five running back in all formats. To me, there is nothing to worry about with Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers is still there. Devontae Adams is there. Aaron Jones is still there. They gave him the big bucks. They rolled out the Brinks truck, backed it up, and gave Aaron Jones some fat cash in this offseason. They didn't need to give him money. They could have let him go and let A.J. Dillon take the keys to this backfield, and they did not do it. So I'm all in on Aaron Jones in 2021. The revenge season, the chip-on-the-shoulder season, for Aaron Rodgers, whatever you want to call it, who cares? Because it's still going to be giving Aaron Jones a whole lot of opportunity to score fantasy points. Next up at number six, we have Ezekiel Elliott, running back number five off the board, overall pick 5.4. So I have him obviously ranked lower than consensus, but just by one pick. Ezekiel Elliott in 15 games finishes the running back nine last year in PPR, 11 and half PPR, and the RB11 in standard, averaging 14.9 PPR points per game, 13.2 half PPR points per game, and 11.4 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Ezekiel Elliott was the RB16 in PPR, 16 and half PPR, and the RB number 18 in standard. So much of Zeke's demise last season has to do with Dak Prescott. That is the most evident thing ever because at the beginning of the season, Ezekiel Elliott was looking pretty solid. Now, it did definitely suck that the offensive line looked like a shell of the past. If you guys remember the Dallas Cowboys in the prior years, they're always one of those teams that just has a brick fucking wall of an offensive line, and that just was not true last season. So you can point the finger at that as well. But it was very clear that there was a very strong drop-off for Ezekiel Elliott when Dak Prescott was gone. 
with Dak in the game. They were actually being able to fight back into these games, and they were able to score points. So Ezekiel Elliott was being just fine. But when Ben DiNucci is the starting quarterback, when Andy Dalton's the starting starting quarterback, when whatever his name was, Gilbert Godfrey was the starting quarterback, then all things went straight downhill for Ezekiel Elliott. He was almost... He was probably one of the most confusing running backs to figure out if you can start or sit them every single week for the Dallas Cowboys after Dak's injury. But all signs right now are pointing towards Dak being good, being perfectly healthy. They had a MRI done on him today, and all signs pointed good for Dak Prescott to return this season, obviously, before the preseason even ends. Ezekiel Elliott last year, 244 carries, fifth at running back, 979 rushing yards, 10th at running back, 73 targets, fourth at running back for 52 receptions, eighth at running back, 338 receiving yards, and eight total touchdowns. I believe that target number is going to stay relatively high yet again this season because the defense does still suck in Dallas. The defense in Dallas is as soft as dog shit. It is so, so bad in Dallas, but it doesn't even matter. Because even if the defense is bad, and even if they're down in these games, they're still going to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. It's not like they're just going to make Dak throw the ball seven zillion times a game, kind of like they did last year. But I do kind of expect the defense to be just at least a step above this season to where they're not getting in these full-on firefights back and forth, slinging the ball seven million times. But even if that is the case, Ezekiel Elliott will still make up from it, from the dump-offs from Dak, as well as just the rushing opportunity that he's given, especially in the red zone. 51 red zone touches last year, ninth at running back, which is honestly surprising that he had that many red zone touches, considering how shit the Cowboys were after Dak's injury. I'm back in on Ezekiel Elliott this year, as you should be as well, because with Dak Prescott, this guy is going to be an elite running back yet again. Now on to running back 7 through 12. We begin at running back number 7 with Austin Eckler, running back of the LA Chargers, underdog ADP, running back number 8 off the board right now, overall pick 11.8. So he's damn near a fringe first round pick at this point. I see him go in the first round in most mock drafts at this point. Austin Eckler in 10 games finished as the running back 26 in PPR, 29.5 PPR, and the RB 35 in standard averaging 16.5 PPR points per game, 13.8 half PPR points per game, and 11.1 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Austin Eckler was the RB 11 in PPR, 14.5 PPR, and the running back 21 in standard, tied with Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, and DeAndre Swift. Austin Eckler's season last year started off on a terrible mark as when Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback of the Chargers, they just could not get it up. They had the erectile dysfunction offense because they just could not do anything. With Tyrod under center, he wasn't making any plays and he wasn't even dumping the ball off to Austin Eckler. So Austin Eckler struggled, Keenan Allen struggled, and it looked like my hype up, the drum that I was banging aggressively for Austin Eckler was going to fly directly off of a cliff. And then something magical happened. Something terrible for Tyrod Taylor, but something so great for everyone who had Austin Eckler or any of these assets in fantasy football was that Tyrod Taylor got hit with the one, two fucking stabber by the doctor in the lung with a syringe, which obviously sucks for Tyrod Taylor. I know I kind of made a joke about it. That does obviously suck. But for fantasy football, it was the best case scenario because Austin Eckler was balling. So what I want you guys to do is if you take away the first game, you look at when this guy was healthy, he was damn near a top 10 running back every single week in fantasy football in PPR leagues and half PPR he was doing good as well that is a very strong distinction you need to make in fantasy football these rankings are based upon PPR if you're in a standard league 
Austin Eckler is not worth this high of a pick because so much of his value is derived from the receiving game. Now, something a lot of people have been pointing out to me is, Nick, they are saying that Austin Eckler is going to be in a committee in L.A. for the Chargers. And my rebuttal is that we basically already knew that because Austin Eckler is not a guy that's going to be seeing 15-plus carries a game or something like some of these other running backs can. It's similar to with Alvin Kamara. He had 116 carries last year, 11.6 per game. That number is not going to drastically increase, but Austin Eckler is by far and away the best running back in this quote-unquote committee to where Austin Eckler is going to be seeing a lot of the rushing work as well as a lot of the receiving work, but other guys will be involved. He's not a clear NFL workhorse like Derrick Henry or something where he's out there on every single rushing play. That's just not true with Austin Eckler, but I do believe with the receiving upside being so high that Austin Eckler really could easily be a top five running back, and he is the only running back in the NFL aside from Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, that I believe has the upside to be an 1,000-yard rusher and an 1,000-yard receiver. Obviously, the rushing yards is going to depend on how efficient he is in the rushing game, which I believe he really is. 65 targets last year, 454 receptions, 403 receiving yards on the season, as well as 116 carries for 530 rushing yards and just three touchdowns. I expect that touchdown mark to increase drastically this season, as I expect Justin Herbert to continue to look consistent in his second year in the NFL. I'm all about buying into this whole Chargers offense. I believe that now with that absolute fucking certified bozo of a head coach, Anthony Lynn, gone, things are on the up and up here for Austin Eckler and the LA Chargers offense. And they also brought in some nice offensive line pieces, which is very nice for Mr. Austin Eckler. Now onto running back number eight. We have Jonathan Taylor, running back of the Indianapolis Colts, ADP 15 overall running back 10 off the board. Now, last week, or maybe just two weeks ago, I was basically telling you guys that you have got to not draft Jonathan Taylor, that this guy is the easiest fade inside of the first round, but now he's going in the second round. And all signs are pointing towards Carson Wentz being healthy. Now, does that mean he's going to be healthy week one? Probably not, but it doesn't mean that he's going to miss 9, 10 games. Something that was a potential just a couple of weeks ago, all signs are pointing towards him being healthy. Same thing goes with Quentin Nelson. Is Quentin Nelson going to miss some time? 100%, but is he going to miss like 5, 6, 7, 8 games? Probably not, and that's what has me back on board with Jonathan Taylor. And I'm also not as worried as I was previously because we saw Eason and we saw Sam Ellinger play football today in the preseason game, and they both looked Pretty solid, like it wouldn't be a complete dumpster fire if they were the starting quarterback of the team, which I thought was potential. If either of them were the starting quarterback, that things would go very bad for Indy and they wouldn't be able to run the ball and they'd have to pass a lot and Jonathan Taylor would get completely cucked in that scenario because while Jonathan Taylor is an excellent pass-catching running back, that they don't necessarily use him in that facet and they'll spell him with the other running back there in Naheem Hines. But if they're able to actually efficiently move the ball with Eason or with Sam Ellinger at the start of the season, then Jonathan Taylor should be fine. And even if they suck at the beginning of the year, Carson Wentz should be back a couple weeks in the season, as well as Quentin Nelson, and things are going to look a lot better after that. In 15 games, JT finishes the running back 6 in PPR last season, as well as in half PPR and the running back 4 in standard, averaging 16.9 PPR points per game, 15.7 half PPR points per game, and 14.5 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, JT was the RB number 9 in PPR, 9.5 PPR, and the running back number 7 in standard. Jonathan Taylor got very, very lucky last season to finish as high as he did because of injury luck. Not really injury luck, but 
unlucky for Marlon Mack to get hurt, and it was in the first fucking game of the season. I thought, and most thought that, hey, Jonathan Taylor is going to be really good in fantasy this year, but it's probably going to take maybe a couple of games for him to beat out Marlon Mack and become the guy, but he was handed the keys very early on in the season to the backfield, basically week one, because of the injury to Marlon Mack. Now, Marlon Mack is back. The Mack attack is back. That's a fucking rhyme scheme for you. Call me Slim Shady. Uh, Yeah, that obviously will have some impact on Jonathan Taylor, but very slightly. Now, with all this news about Wentz being fine, with Quentin Nelson being fine, I am all back in on Jonathan Taylor and his potential upside to be a top five running back. I understand why you may be a little bit nervous. There's a reason why he's not in the top five, because there is still some risk there with Naheem Hines taking away a lot of the target opportunity, with Marlon Mack spelling him potentially a little bit, and with the injury to Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson not necessarily meaning they're going to be back week one, so that is somewhat nerve-wracking. But at the end of the day, you have to buy into the talent here and the fact that he should be fine with this offensive line and with the backup quarterbacks there, whether it does end up being Eason or Ellinger to start off this season. Last year, he had 232 carries, ranking 8th at the running back position for 1,169 rushing yards, 3rd at the running back position, 41 targets, 36 receptions, 299 receiving yards, and 12 total tugs on the season, number 4 at running back. I know Robert Kraft would be excited to get that many tugs in a season. Shout out to, to old man Bob Kraft over there. We know, we know about you, Bob Kraft. So, with Jonathan Taylor, again, there certainly is some risk. But now going in the second round, I am not willing to pass up on the talent that Jonathan Taylor presents and the fact, the not the effect, but the fact that maybe this offense does look a little bit better this year than it did last year with Phillip Rivers again. Is it a huge upgrade from Phil- Rivers to Wentz? Probably not, but I do think this offense should still be very good in 2021. Next up, we have Saquon Barkley, running back of the New York Football Giants, underdog ADP, running back number seven, off the board overall, pick 10.8. Now, if you're like me, then you, what you want to do in fantasy football, this is something that I've talked about ad nauseum recently. One thing about fantasy football is that in the early rounds, you want to keep it as safe as possible. You want to wrap your willy, your team's cock, metaphorically with a condom. And then when you draft a player, you got to hope that player is on the pill. So you know what you're doing? You're You're having some nice, safe, metaphorical drafting with the team that you are selecting. You want to keep it as safe as possible early on in your draft. And then after that, you can go fucking hog wild after the fourth round you can make all types of crazy picks but early on in the draft you don't want to be chasing these injuries that's why Saquon Barkley is running back number nine because we all know that if Saquon Barkley is healthy he is a top five running back likely in fantasy football coming off the board right now running back seven overall pick 10.8 last year Saquon Barkley only ended up playing in two games and he was very ineffective in those games because the offensive line was shit the offense was kind of shit and he had two tough defense as he was playing up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who looked like a world-beating defense. We'd week one, not weed one, week one, and then week two, he was up against the Chicago Bears, so he was virtually ineffective, but they did try to get him the ball, so he wasn't a complete bust in those two games because Daniel Jones was dumping the ball off aggressively his way to get him involved in the game plan. So I think had he stayed healthy, he probably would have gotten better and he would have been fine. But obviously he gets hurt and he finishes running back 121, 120 and half PPR and 120 in standard. He was just averaging 7.7 PPR points per game, 6.2 half PPR points per game and 4.7 standard points per game from a points per game perspective. He was RB 56 in PPR, 60 and half PPR and 67 standard. Like I said, he was not very effective at all when he was healthy, but 
you have to think back to the fact that the Giants have never had a good offensive line, really, and Saquon Barkley has been very effective. Their offensive line isn't shit anymore. They fixed it up a little bit, so it should be all right this season, and I expect Saquon Barkley to return value when you draft him. But right now, based upon the fact that week one, week two, week three, we could be seeing this guy riding the bench, or we could see him potentially on a decreased workload, meaning they put him on maybe a snap count, and he's not able to go out there week in, week out and put up the amount of carries, put up the amount of receptions, the targets that you would want out of Saquon Barkley early on. And to me, that is a very big risk. It's an even bigger risk than you're taking with Jonathan Taylor, whose quarterback and offensive, one of his offensive linemen is hurt. So with Saquon Barkley, I am treading lightly. I believe Saquon Barkley could easily be a top five running back, but if this injury is keeping, continuing to linger and stuff, then things are going to get bad for Saquon Barkley. So right now, I'm still fine drafting him in the second round, but in the first round, there's a whole lot of question marks around Saquon Barkley. Again, do not chase these fucking injuries because those injuries are going to find you in the back alley and stab you up like Tyrod Taylor's doctor did to him. So be very, very careful. Tread lightly early on in your draft. And I'm very nervous about Saquon. But again, if signs are pointing next week, oh, Saquon Barkley is fine for week one, then you know what I do? I come back on here and I scream to the heavens that Saquon Barkley is potentially a top five running back again. But that may not happen. So it really, it is what it is. It does suck with the injury, but we got to hope that Saquon Barkley is fine. The biggest plus to drafting Saquon Barkley, though, is that running backs have done this in the past, right? They missed the first couple of games. Le'Veon Bell, uh, for example, a couple years ago, he was smoking that weed, smoking on that loud, and they suspend him for a couple of games. But guess what? If you drafted him number two overall, number one overall, where he was going, and you had a replacement for the first two weeks of the season. Then you throw him in week number three. He was amazing, and if you count the points of him plus the running back you had to replace him, you probably could have easily have won your league. I won my league doing that at that time. So there is definitely a chance that Saquon Barkley can help you win, but that's not smoking weed that Saquon was doing. It was because he is injured. So definitely tread lightly with Saquon Barkley. Next up, we have 9-inch Nicholas Chubb, running back of the Cleveland Browns, underdog ADP, running back number nine off the board, overall pick 14.9. Now it appears that I am much lower than consensus on Nick Chubb. Now the reason behind me being lower than consensus on Nick Chubb is not because of how good Nick Chubb is, right? Arguably, if you put the skill set in a fucking blender and you're trying to determine who is one of the most skilled running backs in the NFL, you could easily bring up Nick Chubb in that argument, right? He is very good. In 12 games, he finishes the RB11 in PPR, 9.5 PPR, running back 9 in standard. Just playing in 12 games, he finished that highly, which is very impressive, averaging 17.3 PPR points per game, 16.6 half PPR points per game, and 16 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Chubb was the RB8 in PPR, 7.5 PPR, and the RB number 5 in standard. Chubb is also one of those running backs who is better in standard, technically not really better because obviously you're always going to score more points at PPR. He's more of that Derrick Henry kind of back where there's not much of a discrepancy between the points in standard half PPR and P full PPR because he's not getting too many receptions because with Kareem Hunt there, he has been screwed over in the target game. You saw it in 2019 when Kareem Hunt wasn't there the first eight games when he was suspended. Nick Chubb, he's fucking gobbling up these targets. He's eating these targets up like Zeke in the fucking end zone when he does that celebration. But that is not what is going to be happening with Kareem Hunt healthy on the team. So, again, I don't think Nick Chubb is a bad running back. I think he's a fine pick in fantasy football in the second round. 
but just understand that his potential top five, which is what I'm searching for in these running backs, I'm looking for a motherfucker that is going to win me my league. And I believe unless there is an injury to Kareem Hunt, knock on wood, we don't root for injuries, that there is a very slim chance that Nick Chubb finishes inside of the top five. Last year, having 190 carries, 15.8 per game, ranking 14th at running back, 1,065 rushing yards, 7th at running back, 88.8 per game, 18 targets, 1.5 per game, 67th at running back. He had 16 receptions, 58th at running back, and 150 receiving yards for 12 total tugs, 4th at the running back position, having 39 red zone touches, 14th at running back. So again, Nick Chubb's going to put up these solid numbers, but 18 targets, unless you're Derrick Henry rushing 300 fucking times a season, is not going to cut it most times. If Kareem Hunt was not here in Cleveland, I would be sitting here, not standing, I guess, I'd be sitting in my chair and be telling you, guess what, draft Nick Chubb in the top five top three because he's that good and they run the ball that much but with Kareem Hunt there just 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 caution a little bit because look at this in 12 games in 2020 he had 18 targets in 16 games in 2019 he had 50 targets but if you look at the game log in 2019 you can very clearly see a huge drop off in targets after Kareem Hunt was back the first week of the season he had four targets followed by four targets followed by seven targets Four targets, one target, six targets, and one target. And then once Kareem Hunt came back, you're seeing four, one, four, two, one, three, one, two. There is a discrepancy in targets and in receptions with Kareem Hunt versus without. So again, you draft Eric or you draft Nick Chubb, he's still gonna be fine, but just understand that he is not going to probably finish as a top five running back. Next running back, running back number eleven, Najee Harris, running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. First, not first pick in the NFL draft, but first running back off the board in the 2021 NFL draft. Underdog ADP running back 13 off the board, overall pick 20.3. I am definitely higher up on consent than the consensus on Najee Harris. Not really because I just fucking love Najee Harris or something, but because of after Najee Harris, I see a lot of question marks. Whereas even with the pretty bad offensive line in Pittsburgh. I really believe they're going to still feed this guy the rock. And even if they're having to pass the ball at a very high rate, which I still believe is going to happen, there's still going to be enough dump off opportunities for Najee Harris for him to be able to finish inside of the top 12. Najee Harris in the preseason game wasn't given very much opportunity this week, but he did try to hurdle a defender, which is so fucking stupid, right? Why are you hurdling a guy in preseason? But that just goes to show you how this guy is looking to attack the NFL. He's looking to be a big dog at the running back position. Last year in college in 2020 at the age of 22, he played in 13 games, 251 rushing attempts, 1,466 rushing yards, 5.8 yards per carry, 43 receptions on 57 targets for 30 touchdowns. In 2019, at 21 years young, he had 13 games played for with 209 rushing attempts for 1,224 rushing yards, 5.9 yards per carry, 20 touchdowns, 27 receptions on 36 targets, and two or 304 receptions. So Najee Harris, a workhorse running back in college, going to be getting those dump offs, going to be getting those rushes in college. The same thing translates to the NFL. There is a reason why they took James Conner, who is a perfectly fine running back. Perfectly fine. Now, I assume he would have signed there for not a super expensive deal. They would have signed him back. And it would have been fine, right? Obviously, James Conner, not some elite running back, but he's fine, right? He's a serviceable running back, especially in Pittsburgh. But they kicked him to the tur the curb, not to the turd, kicked him to the curb. Don't you come back. No more, no more. They said, hit the road, Jack, okay? That's what they did to James Conner. And they drafted 
Najee Harris in the first round. They don't need a running back. They need to draft an offensive lineman, but they draft running backs. You want to know why? Because Mike Tomlin fucking loves running backs. Mike Tomlin breeds. He lives and breathes running backs. He breeds these top-tier running backs in fantasy football for years. Le'Veon Bell. For the last couple of years, even with injury, when healthy, James Conner. Now imagine Najee Harris. Insert the best collegiate running back in college last season. Insert him into this lineup. Imagine what's going to happen. Imagine what's going to happen when Mike Tomlin molds this guy into a perfect fantasy football running back. He's going to be getting receiving upside as well as a lot of rushes. Big Ben loves to dump the ball off to the running back. Najee Harris is, in my opinion, the easiest way. Najee Harris is such an easy, predictable running back because of the situation that he is in. Normally with rookie running backs, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of gas. People are gassing these guys up and they never not never perform, right? Obviously, Jonathan Taylor performed very highly. CEH performed pretty well. But it's so easy, in my opinion, to see a blueprint to where Najee Harris is a top 12 running back in fantasy football. So I got him at number 11. And closing in the top 12, we have Antonio Gibson, running back of the Washington football team, underdog ADP overall, pick 16.0, running back number 11 off the board. Now, previously, if you guys watched my rankings from last month, obviously things changed. Things changed, training camp stuff, uh, injuries, all types of stuff happens that moves these guys up and down the rankings. So, with Antonio Gibson, I still like him. He moved down, I think he was running back 11 or 10, now he's running back 12, so that's not ty some type of, like, supreme fucking fall-off or something. But what we saw in training camp, not in training camp, in the preseason game a couple of days ago, was that they are going to use J.D. McKissick, and they are going to, at points, insert Peyton Barber into this offense, which is fine. That's what we should have assumed. But there was a lot of narrative about Antonio Gibson becoming this supreme running back in fantasy football, about how he's going to just bitch slap J.D. McKissick out of a lot of his usage, and he is going to become that guy. He is going to be the head honcho back in this backfield, and that is just not going to be true. We should have seen this coming from a mile away. Now, some people say, oh, Nick, this is an overreaction to one week of, of watching preseason. And I understand, maybe you think that way, but my argument is that we should have known this all along. This was always going to happen. J.D. McKissick is a fine running back behind Antonio Gibson, and he is going to spell some of his receiving opportunity. Now, does this mean that you take Antonio Gibson and throw him outside of the second round? No, but you should never consider him inside the first round like some people were at points in this offseason. He's a perfectly fine second-round pick. He's my running back 12. He's ranked consensus running back 11, so it's fine to take him inside the second round, but just limit in your own mind the upside that he could have because J.D. McKissick is going to be there. In 14 games, Antonio Gibson finishes the running back 13 in PPR, 12.5 PPR in the running back 14 in standard, averaging 14.4 PPR points per game, 13.2 half PPR points per game, and 11.9 standard points per game. Meaning, from a points per game perspective, Gibson was the running back 18 in PPR, 16.5 PPR tied with Zeke, and the running back 15 in standard tied with Miles Sanders. So his numbers were very solid in his rookie year. He had a lot of luck that happened ahead of him to get the role that he got. Darius Geis, fuck you. We know what he did. He's a scumbag. Okay, Adrian Peterson leaves, goes to the Lions. So now the door is wide open for Antonio Gibson. This guy's a great receiving running back 
out of Memphis. He's going to succeed, and he did succeed. It was kind of easy to see him succeeding last year. Once we saw what happened with Geist and with Adrian Peterson, just like it's really easy to see Najee Harris succeed. So it might be a similar situation. But Antonio Gibson is just on a team that is not going to utilize him as fully as you may like to what's going to make him fall outside of being a top 10 running back in 2021. Last year, Gibson had 170 carries, 12.1 per game, ranking 18th of running back. I still believe he's going to put up similar numbers. So he's going to finish here inside of the top 12, likely. But I just think his upside is very much limited by the fact that Riverboat Ron likes to use two running backs. And that's okay. But again, there's a lot of people talking about how Antonio Gibson's like Christian McCaffrey 2.0 and shit like that. And maybe that's not what you were thinking. So you're thinking I'm just fucking preaching to no one here. But I'm just talking about things that I have seen. You know, 170 carries, like I said, 795 rushing yards, 18th at running back, 44 targets, 36 receptions, 247 receiving yards, and 11 total touchdowns, ranking 7th at running back. I expect this team to be a lot better with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center versus Dwayne Haskins versus Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, uh, Taylor Heineke, all the quarterbacks we saw last season. So I still think Antonio Gibson's going to be solid, but I think the potential top five talk for him is kind of down the drain. I still like Gibson, still going to be drafting him, but I just want you guys to understand what you are doing when you are taking these players and what the situation is that you are getting into. So thank you guys all so much for watching. I understand this was a very long video, but there should be timestamps some point after I upload this video on the video. So I hope that you guys did enjoy. I love you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your guys' day. Thank you for all the support you have shown me recently. Hopefully we can hit 15,000 subscribers very, very soon by the end of this week or what's well, today sunday right the end of this coming week so thank you guys i do love you guys all thank you for everything you guys have given me i really do appreciate it i hope you guys have a great rest of your guys day and i'll see you beautiful motherfuckers in the morning with another banger of a video as always guys stay safe goodbye